Hello, hello, Kurt. This is Richard Wilson of Mad Shelley Films Under the Flowers, and I just wanted to call and let you know that wonderful things have been happening since the Kapow Film Festival. Um, lots of people interested, and looks like we are going to have a third season, so I'm very thankful and, and wanted to let you guys know and pass on the good vibes, and um, also loving the show completely. And I, I, I kind of like, even though you haven't asked, I'm going to do like the whole, you know, thing that I'm going to do in a minute, which is... This is Richard Wilson of Mad Shelley Films, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto Radio. That was terrible, so I'll do another one. This is Richard Wilson of Mad Shelley Films, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto Radio. That's about as good as it's probably going to get today. Anyway, I hope to talk to you in the future. Also love the fact that I'm discovering as I listen that you're... Good to hear from you. Thanks for your... Thoughts on favorite 80s sci-fi films. You know, I used to think that the original Star Wars was my favorite because I saw it was when it came out in theaters. Actually, uh, another one of my favorite is Back to the Future. That was came out in 1985. Saw that in theaters. Exciting film. Wanted to go back to the future. Flash Gordon, of course, 1980. Big, big, big favorite of mine. One of the most favorite ones of mine. Videodrome, 1980. Mind Altering Film, Short Circuit, 1986. The Running Man. Today is another exciting day. It is raining. Wait, is that my Uber? Let's see, is my Uber here? should be arriving I think that's him hello there Hi. This person pulled up, and I, at first I thought that was you. I thought Sometimes that happens, right? You're like, hey, hold exactly. on a second. I hopped onto a car one time thinking that was my car, and, and they're like, and there were already people in there, and I'm like, wait a second, what's going on? Are you the person I'm looking for? They're like, no, that's a different one. That must happen a lot, right? People just accidentally hopping in different Ubers. Oh, my gosh. One time I picked up a wrong rider. He had the same name? No way! No way! <laughs> so you're like, oh, are you Henry? He's like, oh, I'm Henry, yeah. And then you just took him someplace and he's like, exactly. where are we going? Where are we going? Exactly. <laughs> and the other person is calling me. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh my gosh, how strange. That's so crazy. So, do you go to places like Disneyland or, um, well, sometimes you know, we do, those yeah. busy places? Yeah, sometimes we do, yeah. And what do you do in those kinds of instances? Because there are, I can imagine there are tons of people out there. 
right? Trying you to. You gotta ask the person the the name. Then you gotta make sure before you go, make sure the right address too. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, some of those places can be pretty crazy because there's just so many Uber drivers exactly, there, so, yeah, many so many people. I'm thinking a situation like that, it would be helpful if they said, hey, I'm the guy wearing the red hat, you know, or I'm, the, <laughs> I'm wearing the snowsuit, you know, so, to give you kind of an idea, like, oh, okay, that's that's my person. That's, yeah, you know, that, that helps too, yeah. So how long have you been driving Uber for? I've been driving Uber for three and a half years now. Wow, do you like driving? I Some do. people like driving, yeah, they really I enjoy do. it. I do, yeah. Um, where are you originally from? Lebanon. Oh, wow. How long have you lived out here for? It's been 28 years now. So do you like having your own, being the boss, being having your own job? Where I you're, like you're, that, You yeah. decide what of to do, course, when to do it? yeah. You decide when you work, you decide when you stop. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. What's the farthest place that you have had to Once go? I got to Santa Barbara, it was like 140 miles, something like that. Mm. Yeah. Wow, Santa Barbara. I talked to an Uber driver one time where they went all the way to San Diego. They they had a, a ride, and um, I guess at that point it's a little too late, right? You can't, if you're already in the car with the person, how does that work? You know, and then all of a sudden you realize, wait, we're going to San Diego, and then is it, can you cancel it, or how does that work? I mean, you can, but I've never done it before. I've never canceled a trip with anybody. Mm -hmm. Because when I want to work, I want to work. Right, I, I right. should have the time for that, you know what I mean? So if, if you, it's a long trip. let's say for instance, if you had to go to San Diego. If I um, gotta go, I gotta yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. I have to go, I have to go, I can't. Unless I have something to do, it's too late for me or something mm -hmm. like that. Then I tell the, the customer I can't do it. Now, what I've, if never, you... I've never done it before. I've never done it to anybody, but I canceled the trip. Now, what if you got in the car and then suddenly you realized, oh my gosh, we're going to Arizona. And they said, okay, we got to go to Arizona. What would you do then? No, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> how, so how far is the farthest do you think that you would drive? Like, how far is the farthest? Would you go to Las Vegas? i go to would Las you go Vegas. To, yeah, yeah, so if they said, okay, I'm going to Las Vegas, you got to take me there. I could go to Las Vegas. <laughs> But not to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. So what do you like to do outside of uh, driving Uber? What, what else do you like to I, do? I'm a salesperson. I sell suits in Macy's. You know Macy's Beverly Center? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I sell men's suits. And, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, work five days a week. So um, since you've been working there... Um, do you have a lot of suits? You probably have a lot of suits at home, don't you? I have few, I have few, yeah. I buy some when they're on good deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It seems like the olden days, like in the like in the 50s and stuff, it seems like everybody was wearing a suit, right? Like when you see any of those photos, you got 18-year-olds wearing suits. You got, well, I guess they didn't live too long way back then. You know, I no guess more. maybe... It's not, it's not happening like before. No. Yeah, they'd have their hats on, their suits... Yeah, everything, you know, so I'm thinking these people must have, like, I'm thinking they probably had closets just filled with suits. Absolutely. You know, what the heck do you do when you go to the beach? Do they change into swimsuits then at that <laughs> point, or do they just stay in their other suits? <laughs> or do they just throw on some shorts and they they go in there with their their blazers? 
other suits, the swimsuits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting to know at what point in time people stopped wearing the suits and then when they just started, you know, being more... Actually, I mean, it hasn't been that long time, to be honest with you, before, like... Uh, 2000 something used to sell a lot of suits mm. now it's not like before oh really it's not been, so many now huh it's been like i would say like six seven years it's been slower wow well i gotta say i really would like to have a bunch of suits so someday my future self it just looks sharp you know there's something about it that looks sharp right and yeah, uh, i love wearing suit too Now, do you guys say you're at uh, Macy's? Do you guys customize suits? I mean, is there a way to, let's say, someone wanted a particular pattern or something like that? No, they do that don't there? customize. They they have a tailor shop right there that they could customize to. It's called uh, Taylor Square. Oh. Yeah, it's a independent contractor. Uh, different lease uh, department you know what I mean mm. they lease with us but they do their own uh, job oh I got gotcha. you yeah it's so, not belong to Macy's it's belong to that company the Taylor Square what's your favorite kind of do you have a favorite kind of suit that you've worked with that you I like Hugo Boss the ones that we have over there oh gotcha it's the best that we have Uh, so, in addition to selling the suits, what else do you like to do? Do you have any hobbies? Do you like to... Uh... I'm a musician, too. Oh, well, that's cool. Music, yeah. what, what kind of instruments do you play? I play keyboard. That's great. Are you in a band? Um, I do one-man show Friday and Saturday. Oh, that's great. A one-man show. A one-man show, yeah. Holy cow. My, my arrangement, uh, arranger uh, keyboard, and I do one-man show. I play Arabic music. Lebanese, Egyptian, you know. Wow. Kind of music, yeah. How often do you do that? I play every Friday and Saturday. That's fantastic. Where do you yeah. play at? There's a place in North Hollywood called Hayat's Kitchen. It's a Lebanese restaurant. Mm. I play there Friday and Saturday. Oh, that's cool. That's great to have a, a frequent gig, huh? Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah, so really do you cool. notice a lot of similar people coming back each exactly. time? Like, oh, I see you. Oh, there you exactly. are. There you are. Yeah, pretty similar. The, the, almost the same people they come from there. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun when you can... When you you know you can recognize the people and Absolutely. it's kind of building a little community there. Exactly. So, do you also do? I'm imagining you probably get hired for weddings and bar mitzvahs and do, do all those I kinds of things too. I used to do too. a lot of this, but now it's been a long time. I haven't done it before <laughs> because I'm working every Friday and Saturday, and oh, you know yeah. mostly weddings and this kind of things is Friday and Saturday. Oh so yeah, that makes sense. That. How many songs would you say that you know at this point that you oh, that you play? Oh, I don't know. I can't count them. <laughs> oh boy, I like hundred? Yeah. A few, a couple, a hundred at least, right? Oh, what do you mean hundred? Hundreds? Hundreds? Yeah. Oh my God. Of course. 
So, geez, I can imagine if you're playing every Friday and Saturday, you know, you're probably you switching have to in. Change, and, yeah. absolutely. Because otherwise, otherwise, they're showing up. They're going, "Oh, you did exactly, this last week." You did, what the, exactly. What the you just did this yesterday. I was here you last can't night. Can't sing the same songs all the time. You yeah. Have to change for the yeah. people, especially when they're the same people that are coming to see you. Oh yeah. You have to do new, new songs, uh, different songs. You know, every week you have to change. Now, do you also uh, have your own songs that you've created? Uh, no, I'm not a composer, though. Actually, I'm a musician. I could, I could repeat music. Like I could, you could give me a song and listen to it, and I could play it right away. But I can't compose. I can't. Uh, I'm not a composer. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, right. Yeah, some musicians they they could create music. And some of them, they can't. Like me, I can't. I can't uh, create music. I'm imagining, do you, uh, do you ever s do covers of, like, any of these popular American songs, but then you put them into the words, into, what, Arabic? Is that what you said? Yeah, I've never done that. Do you ever switch it? No? no? I can imagine that would be kind of a funny surprise I for agree, people. I agree, you're right. Yeah. Right? All of a sudden, now all of a sudden you're singing, uh, oh, geez, I don't know. Yeah, you need you the know. words. You know? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. You know, but if you do an Arabic version, that'd be kind of neat. People are like, wait a second, wait, he's doing Bob Dylan. What the heck? That's crazy. Oh my gosh, look at that. We got a rainbow up in the sky. That's really cool. Oh, that's a nice one. Wow. Like that. that is great. That yeah, is great. That's very nice. Yeah, look at that. Wow, that's a, it's pretty wide, too. Yeah. It must be a pretty big leprechaun at the end of that rainbow over there. Big pot of gold. Jeez, that's that, nice. That's amazing. It's so great when you can see stuff like that. You know, when it's rain, drizzling a little bit, and then plus the sun is out, and you're like, okay, somewhere that rainbow is hiding. Take exit five eight, then use the left two lanes to turn left onto Riverside Drive. Crazy. That's nice. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like I can see it go right into the land, right? Doesn't it look right, like it's going right exactly. onto the land? I've never over seen that mountain. Jeez, I've never seen, like, I've never seen a rainbow, like, like on the land itself before. You know, usually it's just up in the sky, but right. you don't see the end of it. Yeah, this one is uh, over that mountain. Wow. So do you think if you kept getting closer, let's say if a person kept getting closer, would the rainbow keep moving farther away, or do you think it would kind of stay in that spot? That'd be an interesting, interesting thing. I suppose it moves depending on your perspective. Boy, that's, that's, such, that's such a good one. I've been uh, getting back into painting lately. I love painting. Oh, painting. And uh, I used to paint all the time, and then I just started painting again. And, uh, oh my gosh, just the joy of mixing the colors. And, yeah. you know, so when I see the rainbows up in the sky, I'm like, what a beautiful painting that is. <laughs> you know, and then I start thinking like, oh my gosh, what would it take to recreate something that something looks like, like that? that, yeah. Man. Always mystifies me when I can see painters like oh those details. That just yeah, bam right on the city right there right there right there in the middle of it. Incredible. So do you do uh, any reading? Do you read books? Not really. No. Not a good reader. Mm. You don't have any favorite authors that you remember reading growing up or anything? 
Do you watch movies? Sometimes, not always, though. Who are some of your favorite Arabic uh, musicians, composers, that you like to, to incorporate into your There's show? There's an old ones, actually, during the 70s. Those are the good ones. Now, they're who are, just who are they? mixing music like that. It's not like that, like the old ones. Mm. Like, uh, I, I, I could say names to you, but you're not gonna know the names, you know, because they're old. Well, I could search for them on YouTube. I mean, getting more into sort of like different world music. Like the other night, I was listening to Nigerian music. You know, just to, it's interesting to me to find out what what uh, um, places, what cultures think is like, okay, this is what we think as a culture. This is what we think is popular music. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, we, this is what we think is popular music over here in this culture. This is, you know, so it's always interesting to me to find what they think is like the sound of that area. Right. And I've been searching around a lot more. Lately Mostly for... Egyptian composers, they're pretty good. Uh, there's some Lebanese ones too. Now, did you grow up listening to a lot of a lot of that music? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Were, have, were any of your families in uh, bands? Do you have musicians in your family? I have musicians in my family. My uncles, they're all musicians. Oh, okay. My uncles, my bro my sis my mother's brothers. Oh, that's cool. They're all musicians. Wow, so you've you've had it in your blood. You grew up with that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I started playing when I was like five years old. Incredible. Yeah. Wow, so you're not kidding. You must have thousands of songs then. If you if you've been playing since you're a little kid, you probably I do. know tons, tons of. Yeah, of course I do. Wow. Do you ever uh, record your your music? I have some recording, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Is there a way to hear it on YouTube or anything? You could search on YouTube my name. You need my name. You need to enter my name. My name is Ahmad Dirjawi. The spelling of it is uh, A-H-M-A-D, first name. B-E-R-J-A-O-U-I is the last name. So you could, you could search on YouTube. I have some music on Oh, that's great. So it'll be you, what, playing at, playing at the place? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. No, it's playing with the, actually, in the studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Recording. I've met so many talented Uber drivers. You know, I've met so many talented ones. I met a ventriloquist. Yeah. I meet great musicians. I meet uh, uh, directors, actors. And so it's always interesting for me to look back online and see... Um, the talents of of these uh, of these various Uber drivers. Right. You know, some of them I talk to, they feel like they're just kind of stuck in kind of a hamster wheel. They're just going and going, grinding their gears, and then I find out about what their talents are, and I can tell it just lights them up. They get excited talking about what they love doing, and you know, kind of, you know, ideally that plants a little seed in their brain where they start thinking more and more about following their passions, their talents, and then, you know, they'll do, you know, eventually it'll, they'll be doing more of that 
than having to drive Ubers, you know, to help pay for their rent and everything. In a quarter mile drop off current on the right. Actually, it's pretty good. I like Uber. Helps, oh, that's good. Helps us a lot, actually. That's cool. I've also met Uber drivers who have a really good outlook about Uber. They they just really, but they love their job and um, very grateful. dropping me off at that school up there. I have the pleasure of teaching kids improvisation. Do you know that kind of acting, improv? Improv? You heard of that? Yeah, it's a kind of acting where you kind of make things up on the spot. Oh, and so I, I help my buddy teach um, this particular kind of acting called Drop improv. The right. And uh, so we teach it to the kids after school. Right. Teach them how to do it. And it... Um, such a helpful technique, you know, in addition for acting, it's really helpful, but in addition to acting, it's good just for everyday, just talking to people. It's just good for imagination and, um. That's nice. Yeah. That's so it's going to be fun. I think right. there's going to have some good, good students here. Right here is good? Oh, yeah. And I'll just hop out real quick and. Absolutely. Dive on in. Thank you so oh, much no, for your help. Nice talking to you. You're, yeah, nice Thank talking you. to you. Bye-bye. You take care. So I started watching this awesome, I like the fact they call it docu-series. It's called Hellier, Hellier, H-E-L-L-I-E-R, Hellier, Kentucky. It's about these goblins these guys found. Planet Weird is the name of these folks who put this out. And I'm <clears throat> on, there's about five, five episodes of this thing. And there, uh, some of them are an hour, hour and a half. <clears throat> and it's all about these guys who go into Hellier, Kentucky, because they hear about these goblins. Now, I'm just going to play a little piece of this because this is of, of a news report of, of a thing that they found out about where it matched up with uh, the, the the guys were sent an email from someone who claimed that there were goblins, gremlins that were bothering the family. So uh, what you're about to hear here is another story that links up with these goblins. So here we go. Let's check it out. Uh, and then I decided to write an article about it for Week and Weird. And it was one of those for a call where it was like, can anyone tell me something that sounds similar to this? And the only thing that we found that really kind of matched up with everything was an old sighting that happened in Hopkinsville, the other end of Kentucky, back in 1955. And in this case, it was an entire family of people living in a farmhouse. I think there were 11 people. And there was a UFO sighting that happened. And it kind of, it, I mean, it was witnessed by police officers, one of the most well-documented UFO cases ever, especially when it in terms of extraterrestrial encounters, because so many credible witnesses saw these things and drew these things and uh, gave credible testimonies. 11 people in a farmhouse said that after this UFO crashed, not too far from their land, these little creatures that were about three feet tall uh, showed up at the house, were looking at the windows, especially at the children, were showing up at the doorway, 
uh, just freaking everybody out, and they actually fired at these creatures, and they ended up fleeing. Uh, this, I mean, it was a media circus at this point. Tons of people were camping out in this family's lawn, trying to figure out, you know, what these things were. They dubbed them goblins because, you know, back then they didn't really know what to call them. These things, the only thing that was weird is these things had these big ears that the ones that this David guy, he didn't describe it. He said that they just had these kind of bald round heads. But in some of the early drawings by the police officers, they looked like they were wearing goggles and headpieces. So those ears might not have even been ears at all. They could have been something different. And if you remove those and take them away, everything fits. They look the same. They were interested in the children. They were uh, terrorizing a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. But it was the complete opposite end of the state. So we thought, well, that's the closest thing that we can find something like this. So there's a precedent for this stuff. There's a precedent for it happening in Kentucky. Sure, there's like 60 years in between them and a few hundred miles, but maybe it's these Kentucky goblins. That's as far as we got. Blade Runner has to be one of my favorites. It was a movie unlike anything I'd ever seen before. The aesthetics, the look of the film, a dark dystopian future. The questions of, is he an android, is she not an android? What What's life like in 2019? Off-world colonies, chance to begin again in a life of adventure and excitement, you know, hunting down these replicants, the Tyrell Corporation is kind of a emblematic of what we would see today with Apple and Google, the hope, the dreams, the desires of people with technology that look far beyond their own solar systems to look within in looking into the minds of artificially intelligent beings artificial intelligence it's all coming true so Blade Runner is very significant so the cool thing is this app that I got it kind of transforms your phone into a podcast, so no matter where That's you cool. go, you always got it with you. You're always like your own portable radio station. That's cool. So, um, okay, so you were just at the bus stop and you were singing, and I had this idea that perhaps you were auditioning for a musical or something, because you were so into what you are what, what musical were you singing? Um, well, I actually went through a couple. Uh, I went through Legally Blonde the Musical, Rent, which is a oldie but a goodie, and then newer uh, Dear Evan Hansen is what I was singing when I stopped to check the bus. My buddy is a huge fan of that of yeah? That musical. Yeah. Cool. I yeah, Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I recently went on tour here. I know a lot of people went to go see it. Oh, that's cool. So, um, what? So, outside of your job, do you like to act and stuff? Yes. Um, I actually was involved in a project until recently. It's called the London. No, sorry. Yes, it's called the London Rose, and um, it's a musical about a trans man who goes away and comes back and nobody realizes that he has transitioned. He pretends to be the son of the same family. Someone finds out, tries to get him to marry him as a woman instead, 
but he actually falls in love with a different girl and they get together and it's, it's kind of like a, a trans love story for the Edwardian times um, and now I'm just doing backstage work since I couldn't be there for the opening weekend oh so you're still helping out with yeah it. what um, what would be like your dream uh, musical or musicals that you'd like to be in oh well if we're talking about like unachievable dreams Phantom of the Opera I think everybody who acts would love to play the Phantom someday even if you are a five foot two white girl like me. <laughs> oh, so you'd like to play the Phantom? Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's a dream role for any any actor that likes musicals. What other um, what other musicals do you like? Um, you just I mentioned say, a couple there. Would you want to be in any of those that you were singing? Yeah, um, I do really like Dear Evan Hansen. I feel like I'm not a huge fan of the staging though. Uh, I would love to hear it, especially with the original cast. But I actually think that the directing could use a little work. Um, I'd say other musicals that I love are probably really classics. I mean, everybody grew up with stuff like Grease and, um, trying to think, and The Producers. Um, one that never actually went on Broadway but was always one of my favorites growing up was Moulin Rouge and I've always wanted to make a newer version of that. It would be cool to that. see a Broadway version of that. Did it would be cool to see even just um, like a new kind of musical. Mm. No, they haven't done a Moulin Rouge Broadway production. I believe they're starting one. Like I think that's a thing that's in the works but I don't think they've done it yet. And um, what I'd really like to do is make a Moulin Rouge but more modern and actually a stage musical. So use different music. Uh, things that are more popular now, stuff like Beyonce, um, Nicki Minaj, that kind of stuff, and create a different story, completely unrelated, but still using that idea of all the music is other artists' music revamped. I really like that. That is a cool idea. What um, did you did you grow up out here? Yes, um, I grew up in Florida, which is actually a the biggest state in the U.S. for the International Thespian Competition, which is like the acting competitions for high schoolers. So I was really involved in that in high school, and I'd say that's where my main desire to continue in this hobby came from. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then you decided to move out here to pursue it, too? Uh, no, I actually moved out here because my sister moved out here. And it became really convenient. Uh, I would, wanted to leave my college town and just get to somewhere different. So I came out here and I lived in North Hollywood for a while. And I didn't do anything with musicals until the London Rose popped up. And so that, did that inspire you to want to, like now that you've had that taste of like being in there again, do you want to start auditioning for more? Um, I think definitely. I, I really miss being involved in performance. Uh, it's the first thing that I want to do when I'm like getting off of work where I have like a standard desk job every day and I just have so much energy when I'm done so the first thing I usually do is I end up singing for two to three hours after I'm done with work that's great so you're always practicing so to speak yeah definitely I feel like um, it's not so much about needing to make money off of it or needing to make it your job it's about continuing to do something that you love doing because you love doing it and it makes you happy. I don't want to feel burned out because I'm trying too hard to push myself to pay my rent with something I love. It's, uh, you know, there are plenty of stories out there where you just have no idea who you're sitting next to or, or um, 
how the universe is going to bring those opportunities to you. You know, we just never know. Um, so even earlier, to call back something that you said earlier about, an un, you know, that unachievable dream of being in Phantom of the Opera. I mean, with all the theaters that are around here, it would not surprise me if someone were right now in in that mode of putting together something and going, okay, let's cast a female in the role, right? I mean, out of all the things we can imagine, there are so many strange things that happen that reside outside of our imagination where we're like, there's, how could I ever have guessed that thing to happen? That's true, and um, I, I can see those kind of really non-conventional types of shows happening here, especially since there's such a huge queer community. Like, I would say uh, the show that I was or that I am a part of still backstage um, is very non-conventional and I I can't see how it would go to festivals in states where they're more conservative and might be a little more concerned about casting a lead role to a trans man and it's so great that that's who it's made for instead of it being like a oh we will cast you anyway it's mm. that's who the role is written for mm. and I feel like that makes it really something special it's always fun when someone has a particular um, perspective and they just decide to create that, you know, it's that idea of creating the art we want to see in the world rather than looking at what art that's in the world and going, oh, let me try to make something that looks like these things and let me try to make something that kind of echoes those ideas. There's something really just cool about just going, you know what, I don't see this kind of thing out there in the world. I'm going to create it. I'm going to make a space for it. Yeah, and I feel like that's especially true for the LGBTQ community. Um, which I am a part of, and I, I think that it's so important that we're putting out things that are in our own voices out there, because no one else is going to tell that kind of a story except people that have lived through it. What kind of, um, do you have ideas for, for uh, musicals or plays that you'd want to put out there? Um, well, I am working on a book that I have played around with turning into a musical someday. Cool. Um, I guess you could consider it, it's a little bit like Legally Blonde, but if instead of going to law school, Elle married Warner and then got fed up with him, killed him, and stole his job, that's more what my book is about. <laughs> so, it's, so it kind of turns into a horror, a horror film aspect? Yeah, it's definitely a dark comedy. Uh, how far are you so far in, in writing it? Um, maybe about 10,000 words, so I, I would say like a fifth or less of the way through with my first draft. How often do you write in it? Um, I guess I try to write three to four times a week, mostly weekends, but if I feel inspiration, I listen to the muse. Do you, do you ever uh, write like while you're on the bus or on the subways or anything? Definitely. Those are good environments. Yeah, um, I find that my commute on my way home is often a time that I write, partially because it's rude to sing on the bus with other people, and partially because sometimes I get inspiration at work and I don't have time to jot down the ideas, so then as soon as I clock out, that's what I'm doing. You know, it's kind of interesting, that idea of, of feeling that it's rude to sing on a bus, because, you know, a lot of times you'll be on the subway and people are just blasting the radios or they're or they got they're talking to someone on the phone and they got the speaker on and they're yelling and it's like it's interesting the kinds of what's the word sentiments that people have about particular social things right yes um i definitely would say that particularly with the blasting of loud music and stuff 
That seems to happen more in LA than any other city I've been in. And I feel like it's because the people that are here want attention more uh, than anywhere else mm, in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so crazy. I used to substitute teach and there was a kid who was telling me that his brother was one day, he was just singing out loud to himself. And they were in a mall and they were going up this escalator. And as they're going up, they saw this guy coming down the other way and he's like looking at him. And so they, they get to the, they get up there and the guy ends up catching up with them. And he's like, he's like, you sang great. He goes, what song were you singing? And the kid goes, oh, it was this song. And the guy goes, I produced that song. I, pro- I actually produced that song. And he goes, and I'm putting together a, a, a team of like youth to, to go out there and, and sing. And so it was all because That's the so kid funny. decided to just simply sing his inspiration that it offered someone else out there in the world to be able to hear that and go, Hey, that's that's pretty cool. I want to pay attention to that. Now, listen, my stop's coming up soon. But where where what's your Instagram? What's a way that anybody could get a hold of you? Um, well, you can basically find me on Twitter as Megan Rotano or on Instagram as Rotano Reads. That's R O T U N N O, and my first name Megan is M E G A N. It was a it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me interview you and get no get problem. a little bit of your story because. It's always important to me. Oh, so the name of the podcast is, it's called Inspirado Projecto. Okay. I'll find you on Instagram and I'll send cool. you, I'll, I'll send you the little I link. I was going to ask you to. And that's the name of my, the uh, Instagram account too. It's called Inspirado Projecto. So um, each one kind of reflects off the other. Cool. Very and, cool. And um, so, yeah, the podcast is basically about, you know, the process of creation, what inspires people to make what they want to make. Um, you know, just their background, because I always like to find out the roots behind what, what could possibly feed their imaginations, you know, um, it's always interesting to me to find out what environments people kind of live in, or what kind of, you know, what kind of social circles are around them, and then how that affects their creativity, how that actually either, you know, could inhibit them, or actually, you know, have them skyrocket through being encouraged and inspired and whatnot. Right, that makes sense. Um, well, it's definitely been great talking to you about all of this, and I i don't know, I feel like my own life is very introverted, so I don't usually uh, meet people at random, so it's been a nice serendipitous exchange. You know what, and the fact that you use that word is pretty important to me, because uh, serendipities and synchronicities and all those little magics of the universe, I just, oof, they're so close to my heart. It was a pleasure meeting you, Megan. Me I'm too. Kurt. I'll, uh, Kurt. I'll get a hold of you. Yes, take care. Oh, oh, pardon me. Hey, everybody. Gather around. Want to hear the Inspirato hotline number? Yeah! All right. Goes a little bit like this. Five, six, one, two, zero, three, nine, one, seven, niner. Five, six, one, two, zero, three. Say, I got an idea. How about you try it? Sounds great. Okay, here we go. Five, six, one, two, zero, three, nine, one, seven, niner. That sounds great. Five, six, one, two, zero, three, nine, one, seven, niner. That sounds awesome. Five, six, one. Zero three nine one seven niner.
Blade Runner was a masterpiece. The chiaroscuro look of the film really propelled it beyond many others. The connection to ideas of immortality like Frankenstein and going against its creator, Tyrell, in the film, you had to empathize with that character and uh, the idea of genetic engineering and sending replicants and people off to offer colonies. You know, these are all interesting topics and themes that we're grappling with as a civilization. Time has come to go down into the laundry room. I'm gonna get some of these uh, closed wash, closed, closed washed before tonight. The superhero costume, as I like to call it, the official Yachtly Crew uniform. We're playing tonight at the Viper Room, and we got confirmation that Michael Rosenbaum. For those of you who are fans of Smallville, Michael Rosenbaum played Lex Luthor on that TV show. He said he's bringing 20 people to, to the show tonight. Mario Lopez is also going to be there. He has a booth that's rented. And there's a rumor that Bruce Campbell might be there. So I don't know if by the time you hear this podcast, uh, I'll try to get this up before I actually go into the... You know, before I, I go off today, uh, I don't know if Philly Ocean is picking me up or if I'm taking the Uber. Uh, if I'm taking an Uber, you'll definitely hear another interview on a way to uh, on a way to Phil's. Sometimes I interview Phil. A lot of times he just wants to kind of rest his voice before the show. He's real good about stuff. He doesn't drink. He. Um, he really wants to make sure that his voice sounds good. And, you know, that quality shines through. And I think, you know, when you've got that kind of head on your shoulders, it's good. It's good. It's good. Things move. Move and groove. Move and groove. Then we got the, uh, we've got a couple other dates between tonight, which is February 1st. Got a few more dates between tonight and uh, March, but uh, March, what is it? Beginning of March for about a week, we will all be on the 311 Caribbean cruise. So I'm going to unload all the files on my cell phone uh, make make as much space as possible so I can take photos. Hey, good, good. How are you doing? 
so I can make so I could take photos of of what's going on there. But then also, I'm going to uh, I'm not going to use the Anchor app because there's really not going to be much cell phone reception, from what I understand. I'd like to I'd like to uh, put it out there that we will have good cell phone reception, and it uh, and it's going to go just fine. So. Let's say in those instances where I do have good cell phone reception, I will be uploading bits and pieces. For those of you who've been listening for a while, you, you notice that this is sort of a time travel kind of podcast where we, we bounce around. Things sometimes go chronologically, sometimes things don't. And so that I imagine probably a lot of that is going to happen on the ship. There might be some days that are out of order because the days where I don't have... Reception, I use a, a an app. I think I was telling you guys about this before. Voice recorder, that's what it's called. So that was uh that was the that was what I used for Dave Lynch interviews. I didn't use the anchor app. I didn't use the anchor app for that one. So I recorded it on a regular, just a regular, regular, uh, just on there, and then I and then I uploaded it on the computer, and then I split it. So I, that's what I'm probably gonna do for this, for this cruise. like the, a good beginning to like some very dramatic uh... The Yachtly Crew Show tonight. I will be recording behind the scenes. So, there is that. There is that. So, having said that, here's what's next. I really enjoyed E.T. Extraterrestrial with Drew Barrymore. You know, they had to go find those aliens. And they went up in those hills in that California town. And then they had to put all those tubes that they had to walk through to keep them decontaminated. Remember that film? Pretty amazing. And then I got the video game for the Atari. I had fun playing the E.T. on the old Atari 2600 with those joysticks. A lot brings back a lot of memories. So I'm thinking about playing E.T. again. And, uh, and then, you know, I mean, not totally sci-fi, but then I got that game for... 2600 on the Atari plane, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Very fun memories. What's your uh, video game memory? 
that's tied to a, a 1980s film. Man Behind the Machine, thank you so much for your in-depth journey into Blade Runner. I, too, feel so many sentiments towards the, the aesthetics, the music. The, there's a haunting vibe about it. Whoever did the color correction on that thing it was a genius. They knew what they were doing. Man, that just, just being able to paint with color in that fashion where everything just looks so just run down and yet futuristic. Um, you know, I too also was obsessed with that E.T. and that, that Raiders of the Lost Ark video game. I could never get past them. They were the longest things ever to play. Uh, I would say, you know, I came across a video game, Journey. It was about the, about the band Journey. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I saw they came out for the 2600, and I got it. It was not the same video game. Uh, I was always a huge fan of Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Lair and then Cliffhanger, which I ended up finding out later, is, uh, is an anime. Ooh, I just came up with another giblet, uh, which I thought was absolutely genius. The, I, I loved this, this idea. The movie Cloak and Dagger was about a video game Cloak and Dagger, and then you could actually go to the arcade and actually play that Cloak and Dagger video game that's within the movie. That stuff has always baffled me. The way, uh, the, uh, the way that they're able to blend something that is a, uh, um, a, a fictional thing within that world, but then bringing that into the reality uh, of, of the world that we're living in. So we actually get to be a part of it. They did a lot of that stuff with the Cloverfield, too. Also, Super 8. And I'm not sure what other J.J. Abrams-related projects, but go. those are fun rabbit holes to go down. The Cloverfield Cloverfield Clues is a great blog spot about stuff like that. But yeah, Cloak and Dagger, that, that, I thought that was absolutely genius that they were able to, to blend that together. Also, there's a really interesting Star Wars video game. I remember the arcade, it was very, very... A lot of mostly like just lines, very, very basic, but very three dimensional at the same time. It always baffled me. David Lynch personally started a campaign in Hollywood to get Laura Dern an Oscar nomination for her performance in Inland Empire. He sat on the side of the road with a cow during this campaign which was, unfortunately, unsuccessful. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. <laughs>